What's going on? This is Hoppy Hour. I am your host, Ryan Hoppy. And on the phone line is my good friend and Los Angeles media veteran, Aaron Bender. He is on the show. Hey, man. Ryan, how are you, man? It's good to talk to you again. I am doing pretty good. So I've been thinking about ways to begin this interview for about the last six hours. I went to the pool. I did some (laughs) meditating. And, um, well, first of all, it's fascinating because... I don't really know you, but I know you very well because we're good friends. And um, the last two years, uh, our interview that we did in like October 2019, I believe it was 2019, uh, got like 2,000 views on YouTube. And I had people DMing me saying, where's Aaron Bender? Where's Aaron Bender? And I'm like, I don't know where Aaron Bender is. And then (laughs) the thing too was I didn't want to speak on your behalf. So I'd be like, Aaron's the man. I'm sure he'll return soon. Here's how you can listen to my podcast. So let everybody know what you've been up to because I know you've had tragedy and things have also gone well for you. I know it's been a whirlwind of events. Yeah, a roller coaster to say the least, and I appreciate your asking. So the timing of our podcast, uh, I think, could not have been better for you. Because uh, I, I would imagine you were, you've got a few downloads because I disappeared from the radio here in Los Angeles and people were wondering why. So they would Google me and they'd find your podcast, uh, gratefully. And um, unfortunately, they, they didn't get any answers from that podcast. And I, I feel badly for you in that you had to field a lot of DMs and other questions and things like that that you couldn't answer. But uh, quite frankly, I, I made a lot of mistakes in my life that led to my losing my job shortly after our our podcast. And then a few months after that, my wife was diagnosed with uh, stage four breast cancer. She had had breast cancer uh, and fought it in 2017 and 18. And it came back about this time last year. It had already spread uh, to several parts of her body. And she was in and out of the hospital starting at around May of last year. And by the time November came around, she lost her fight. She lost her fight. So uh, throw in the pandemic last year, having to take care of the girls who were, were then five and eight now about, well, this is going to post tonight. So yeah. still five, but almost six, turning six next, uh, next week. But, you know, last year was, was, was brutal in many ways, but I will say that my losing my job in late 2019 was a blessing. It was a gift. If not for that, I wouldn't have been able to take care of my wife last year. I wouldn't have been able to take care of my daughters last year, and I certainly wouldn't have been able to handle what the last few months have been like since my wife passed away. So, so since then, I, I've, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, re- I've remained teaching. I've, I'm still teaching at Cal State Northridge, broadcast journalism. We pivoted to online, uh, online Zoom classes and things like that in March of last year. So I think like the Friday before spring break of the spring 2020 semester, we got the notice that we're not coming back next semester or we're not coming back for the rest of the semester and then we found out we're not coming back in the fall and then we found out we're not coming back this spring except for a few students who want to anchor newscasts at the radio and tv stations and uh still not sure what's going to happen in the fall but 
but really just kind of focusing on that, focusing on my daughters. I've restarted uh, podcasting, so I've, I've launched recently the Aaron Bender podcast. A few uh, episodes are going to come out tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I, I, do, I do a podcast for our local newspaper here, the Santa Clarita Valley Signal. I do some news videos for PasadenaNow.com. And really, it's just I'm, I'm trying to figure out ways just to do things um, that, that involve me staying home with the girls because that's where I'm needed most. So with leaving KFI, what's your go-to answer for explaining what happened? Because I know you said you made some choices that you regret. So how do you explain your departure? Because when you Google Aaron Bender, I mean, message board after message board, there's like, and I mean, no one goes on radio message boards anymore. So that shows how much you meant to <laughs> the the audience of KFI. There's Reddit articles, there's message boards. So how do you explain do your departure? I do appreciate, Ryan, that you asked the hard questions. I do like that. You don't back away. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to address, uh, I'm not going to address specifics on message boards because to be honest, um, 99% of what's out there is wrong. Yeah. And it's rumor, it's speculation and it's bullshit. And specifically, I, I, I just, I, like I said, I, I won't address you can clean this up a little bit in post if you don't mind. But it's fine. I, I, I want to address specifics, but I will say that 99% of the, the stuff that's out there on message boards and everything is just rumor, speculation, bullshit. And I made mistakes on and off the air that cost me my job. But, and it was, it was devastating for me and my family at the time. But it took a few months for me to realize that was God's plan. That was his gift. That was a blessing. Because if I did not lose my job, I wouldn't have been able to focus on taking care of my wife, taking care of my family, taking care of things that needed to be taken care of, especially given what was about to happen 13 months after that with my wife passing away. So... What's weird about messing up, because I didn't mean to like hit you with it, but it's like everybody was, I've maybe had 20 DMs about it in 18 months. So I just wanted to get your official answer about it. But you know what's fascinating about messing up is I'm far from perfect, bro. So first of all, I worked for Rover's Morning Glory in Cleveland. It's a shock jock show. They We put like pubic hair on all our faces so that videos out there i got catfish because i was a virgin and i really wanted to get laid and then i got blackout drunk on st patrick's day and i got fired and it's all out there on youtube and then here at 1025 the bone in tampa i've pissed off some of the hosts but now everything's good but you know what's fascinating about messing up and having Reddit articles about you because I have some articles about me. There's a petition to have me fired when I was on Rover. There's an article about me on the Dirty, which is the worst website ever, which is slander. When you overcome what happens, it almost makes you look amazing because it's like, look at me. I have flaws. I messed up. I'm not a perfect person. And then it actually kind of helps your brand because people are then like, wow, this is a flawed human being. 
and he overcame it, and he's continuing to be flawed, but he's improving as a person, if that makes sense. It does make sense, and I appreciate, again, I appreciate your asking the, the hard questions, because especially having done your podcast in the weeks prior to my losing my job, uh, I can only imagine what what kind of DMs you were getting, like, hey, yeah. you, you've got some insight, don't you? Of course yeah. you do. You've got some insight. But but unfortunately, you didn't, and I wasn't in a position really to address anything at that time either. But uh, I, I hear what you're saying, and it absolutely makes sense, the idea that um, challenges help you grow. Mistakes help you grow. It's what I tell my students. You cannot be afraid to fail if you want to succeed. You cannot be afraid to make mistakes if you want to learn, if you want to grow. And I've grown over the last year and a half, dare I say, evolved because, and, and you know, that, that's not me tooting my own horn. That's just me being proud of coming through the fire. And here I am on the other side and just doing what I can do. You know, I can do my podcast. I can do uh, the, the signal podcast. I can do news videos. I can take care of my daughters. I can do the things that I can control and I just give God the rest. I, seriously, it's gotten to that point where I just surrender any kind of wish to control the outcome or manipulate any kind of reaction to anything. That, that's, I can only do what I can do. I can't control what people say on the internet. I can't control what people, how people react things I say or do or things they think I said or did that's that's up to them and there's there's somebody I follow on social media Destiny Malibu where she's got a saying something to the effect of um, if you if you hate me I love you and if you love me I love you even more I'm, I'm a pray for you either way so another thing I was thinking about is I know, so, okay, I'm trying to think of how to word this because I have a very real show where I'm not going to edit this. I'm not Larry King where I have the perfect things to ask because <laughs> it's just so different, the interview, because I think I was like, how did you get the job at KFI? What to like working with Tim Conway? And now things are just so different. But for me, in 2013 in May, my dad was diagnosed with leukemia, but I was like, 19 or 20 so i didn't process because i i mean i was a kid dude i, I was not yeah. even though i was an adult i was a kid so i couldn't process death couldn't process cancer and then my dad lost the battle november 2014 now he made some decisions and i'm not trying to speak bad about him because he's gone he can't defend himself but like he was in remission and then he was doing yard work and then all of a sudden, like a month later, the cancer came back and then he died on Thanksgiving Eve of 2014 and I walked in on him, passed away. So it's very traumatic for me. I've had some PTSD recently where like I had a cry like and I know you've said you've been crying recently. So yeah. there's times, man, that I just don't feel like doing things. There's times where I'm wondering if my interview with you or somebody I interviewed this week is going to be good. And like meditating is great, but when you meditate, it's sort of short lived because then you're going back to being anxious. So with everything that happened with your wife, knowing that there was going to be a time 
she was going to die. And then afterwards, being a girl dad to your daughters, how are you dealing with everything? How have you dealt with the last 18 months? How should anybody deal with just being anxious? And this is one of the things that I'm so grateful and thankful for my wife for last year, knowing that I'm not really in, I, I was not really in a position emotionally and mentally to just let it go, to, to, to be able to, to cry when I needed to, to be able to talk to people when I need to, to be able to express feelings and ask for help. And that's really the big thing for me is just asking for help and letting people know how I'm feeling because I spent the better part of my life. You know, I'm, I'm 44 now. I'd say around, you know, 10, 11, when my parents got divorced or whatever like that, I just feel like that's probably about the time I kind of start to shut down. I, I started to shut down and, and there, there really wasn't much in the way of release of emotions and release of feelings and asking for help. And so over the last year and a half, I feel like I've gotten much better at that. And that's, that's all due to my wife, really. Knowing that I needed, knowing that she was going to die, I needed to be able to ask for help. Knowing that she was going to be, you know, gone, not necessarily exactly when. We didn't know by the end of the year. We didn't know if it was going to be this year. But knowing that it was going to be tough, it was just going to be me and the girls. My mother-in-law lives with us. Um, but just the idea of, of asking for help. I mean, that's, that's, for me, that that was the biggest thing to overcome. And when I say ask for help, I mean, ask people around you. Ask friends, ask coworkers, ask God. And you know, I've 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 never been a big religious guy, but I'm not going to apologize for now saying, you know, readily saying, hey, when I'm going through tough shit, I ask for help. I ask God for help. And I and I surrender my resentment or anxiety or sadness to him. And the same way that I asked my sisters-in-law, like, Hey, can you watch the girls tonight? I just need some me time, you know, or, Hey, I'm just going to go out for a run. So I tell my mother-in-law, can you handle dinner or something like that? And that's really kind of the big thing for me is just asking for help and not being afraid or ashamed to ask for help because, and I try to explain this to my daughter's, as they're processing the loss of their mother, you know, they, they're only five and eight. I can only imagine the, the heartache they're going through because they've never known a life without their mom. At least I can, I can perhaps go back to the 30 years I spent before we met knowing that life can go on but here they are they're trying to adjust to life without the only person they've ever known from the day they were conceived you know so i i, I tell them i said if, if let's say sadness or anxiety or or frustration is this big boulder you can't carry it yourself ask your sister for help ask me for help we can carry it together and that that's because you and i talk all the time about anxiety and about uh, just 
being real and authentic either on social media or on your show or on or on my podcast i mean my podcast now is more authentic i've i've only done 3 episodes and i've i'm about to release four more and i've got several more scheduled i've i've already been more authentic in those first few episodes than in all of my previous podcasts because i'm now not afraid to talk about what's going on in my life and what's going on in my heart and what's going on in my soul and my thoughts and just having a conversation with people rather than worrying about how it might be received or who might hear it and might not like it. So, so I was like very atheist from like, I don't know, 2008 because I grew up Roman Catholic till about 2018 or 2019. And then I met my workout trainer who changed my life He's not like religious, but he's very, uh, he just believes in like the universe and the law of attraction and it changed my life. And then I started to view things differently. And then I met my girlfriend and now I live in a much better apartment and my life is good. And it made me realize, Aaron, that there has to be something out there. I don't, I don't think there is heaven where like you're just up in a cloud, but the idea that we begin from our parents having sex to then us being these big figures, there has to be something that created that, you know? And I think the frightening part is that our brain can't comprehend what's after, but I don't think our brain is supposed to comprehend what's after. It's just something I've been thinking about lately because I've been suppressing my feelings for so long that now that I'm, getting into my late 20s and I'm closer to 30 than I am 21. It's like, I'm just thinking about it more, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I'm, I'm right there with you with the idea that I spent most of my life saying, well, there's there's not necessarily atheists, but the idea that there, there's got to be a higher power because how is it that we could be the epitome of life? I mean, like, like if we just look at it from the, the, the standpoint of um, how arrogant would we be to think that we're, the highest power that's that's how i kind of went through most of my life and these last few years i've inched closer and closer to god closer and closer to uh believing and accepting god as you know as as the 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 father the son and the holy spirit so the last year and a half especially my losing my job when i did if I lost my job a few months prior to that or a few months after that, life now would, would be completely different. But I was given the gift of time and opportunity to heal, to get healthy, to reconnect with my wife and family prior to my wife getting sick again. And if not for that, I don't know how much worse last year could have gotten. But that was God's timing, absolutely God's timing. Because if, again, if, if if it had happened a few months later, I would have lost my job, and she gets re-diagnosed with cancer, and all in the same year with the pandemic, it would have just been brutal. I mean, it, even more so than it already was. So before she passed and before she got cancer, what were some ways that you were reconnecting with your wife? Just conversations, finally having conversations, finally talking about, uh, especially uh, the the idea that she was 
going to die soon. Didn't know how long, one, two, three, four years. But the idea that she had terminal cancer and it had spread everywhere, eventually to her brain. And the, the idea that prior to that, I spent basically the first eight years of one daughter's life and the first five years of the other daughter's life in, in only, basically like just as a, a DNA and income contributor. You know, I, I wasn't I wasn't present, I wasn't connected. And with my wife basically looking at me and saying, Hey, I know you don't deserve me, but I love you anyway. And and for me that was that was almost and we keep going back to it, that was almost godlike, saying, Hey, I know you're I know you're flawed. I know you're a sinner. But I love you anyway. So let's let's figure this out. And and I I you know for for me that that's all that's all I needed was was the idea of, of this unconditional love and her working with me, trying to get my feelings out, trying to get my my emotions to the surface because I had spent thirty plus years burying them you know, looking for distractions. So I don't feel looking for, um, you know, looking for ways to not confront my feelings, not confront my emotions. And it just basically last year was an opportunity to, I don't want to say reborn because I feel like that might be a little too dramatic, especially given the circumstances of my wife passing away, but the the idea that I have this opportunity to 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 live, I, I I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. Well, it's weird too because my experience that I had recently is nowhere near as traumatic as yours. But I lived at this old apartment, and my cat uh, just ran outside, and she was under the house for two weeks. And almost died, and she was like two to three years old, and it was like it made me realize that like nothing is guaranteed because my last two previous cats lived to be seventeen. So then okay. all of a sudden, like yeah, I, I know. All of a sudden, it was like where I'm at in radio or what I'm making money wise. It was like the important and it's like the important things all of a sudden change, and it's like the most fascinating thing because then all of a sudden you begin to have like panic attacks. Then all of a sudden, like all these suppressed memories that you had up to that moment, all of a sudden, man, it just explodes in your brain. And that's kind of what I've been going through recently. Yeah. Like last week, for example, um, I was, I was just absolutely overcome with survivor's guilt. And all it took was I was driving home on a day that was, it was beautiful weather and I felt good. And I felt badly for feeling good. Yeah. And and instead of ignoring that feeling, I just sat with it and I just let myself feel it. And I let myself cry and I let myself ask for help and, and talk with my sister, uh, my sisters-in-law, my wife's two sisters, about what I was going through. Because if I'm going through that, 
imagine what they're going through. We go back to the idea that they've never known a life without their sister. My, my daughters have never known a life without their mother. My wife's sisters, they're both younger than she was. They've never known a life without her. So if I'm going through this, imagine what they're going through. So if I, if I talk to them, it lets them know that they can talk to me. And we share that. And if, you know, there's sometimes, yeah, absolutely. I totally get into bed and I put the covers over my head and I take a two-hour nap. But either before or after that, I explain to somebody, whether it's my mother-in-law or my mom or some of my friends or my therapist, about why I need to take that nap, why I need to just kind of, um, you know, re recharge and refresh. But the the survivor's guilt is real. All these feelings you're feeling are, are, are real, except for the feeling of, like anxiety, obviously it's real. Yeah. But it's based on things that have never happened. It's based on worry about what could happen or, or might happen. But that's beyond your control. The only thing that's beyond your control is, uh, the only thing that, that you can control is what you do and what you say. And, and once I learned that last year and, and once it's just kind of cemented and I'm not going to say that, that I'm perfect and I, and I, I totally, I never get anxiety anymore, but you really don't know how much anxiety you're living with until you start living with less. And when you get a taste of less anxiety, you want even less. So you do more to get less. And so, that's asking for help. And that's surrendering. And that's sitting in your feelings and sitting in your sadness and sitting in whatever feeling you're feeling, whether that's joy or sadness or otherwise. So I don't know what your surroundings are like at your multiple jobs you have. But here in Tampa, I work for like Shock Jock Radio and it's cool and it's tough love and it's brotherly love and I, there's jokes that are made. But I've been here six years and for maybe the first five and a half years, five and three quarters to be exact, why not? It, I felt like I couldn't be myself and I felt like I was a pussy if I, you know, felt any emotion of being sad because I'm around these macho men. But now I'm so proud of myself that I'm being open, that I'm being real on social media, you know, because I sort of have pity for people that have to carry around this act like they have no issues. You know what I mean? And this is about anybody. This is not about a radio person. This is not about an influencer. This is anybody ever. If you feel like you cannot show a side of you that is vulnerable, then you are doing life wrong. Yeah, the idea of authenticity in these last few years has really taken the spotlight because people want to connect with what's real. Because if you're feeling something, chances are a lot of the people in your audience or a lot of the people in your circle, you don't have to be on social media. You don't have to be in media. People in your circle are probably feeling the same way you're feeling. You know, there's no perfect... Uh, workplace, there's no perfect family, there's no perfect marriage, there's no perfect job. We just do what we do and we ride through the mistakes and we ride through 
the challenges and we ride through the struggles and we we ride those highs. You know, let's ride those highs. They, they're going to feel good. And you shouldn't limit how good you feel when something good happens. Because if you don't let yourself feel good, you're not going to feel the bad. If you don't let yourself feel the good or feel the bad, you're not going to feel the good. So just ride that roller coaster. That's what life is. It's, it's, it's a roller coaster. And I'm, I, I don't want to come across as preachy. I don't want to come across as, you know, um, um, holier than thou or, or, or better than or anything like that. But this is basically what I've learned in the last year and a half. And if, if somebody like yourself or I've got other friends, uh, podcaster Jake Warner, he and I talk all the time about what we're going through, what we're, each of us is going through. And, and, and just, the, just the idea of we're all going through something. And if you talk about it, chances are you're going to connect with more than one person who's also going through either that something or something else. And if you let yourself talk about it, they're probably going to let themselves talk about it. And that's a way to really secure a connection. I mean, that's, that, that's how you and I have become such good friends because you're vulnerable enough to talk to me about what you've going, you've, you've got going on. And I trust you enough to talk to you about what I've got going on. And without that, then, then what's the, what's the point? What's the point of talking if we're not going to be real with each other? Yeah. I just think the whole idea now, I think America at time is a little bit too woke and they're trying to find things to be offended by every day. But I do think this whole movement of having emotions and not being so toxic, I think it's really working but at the same time, I think what needs to happen, and I sent you this text, and when I sent you the text, it was just a quote that came to me. It was, mental health to me is as important as getting ripped at the gym. Like, you can be as ripped as you want. You can be as successful as you want. But if your mental health is not good and you're not honest with yourself, then it's equivalent to eating McDonald's every day. You are going to feel unhappy inside and you're never going to be happy. I love that. I love that quote. I, love, I, I hadn't really thought about it <laughs> until you, you had texted me, but I, I love that quote. And, you know, it, it, and, and to equate it to eating McDonald's every day, it's totally true. It's totally true. We got to take care of our mental health just as much as we take care of the rest of our rest of ourselves externally and internally. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's just like we can, cause I feel like, and you're not doing this, but I feel like people like when it's mental health month, I think it's, I don't, I don't know which month it is, but people like post about it and then people share memes and then people say we're here together, but you really actually got to do it. 24 seven every single day of the year. Cause I feel like people slack off and then go back to being grumpy. And it's just the thing I'm working on. Like I try to do some hypnosis on YouTube. I try to listen to good podcasts, but I think the biggest problem I have, Aaron, and I want advice from you because every single person on this planet, if you have a smartphone, you're going through it. At least I know I am a hundred percent is this social media addiction, dude. I refresh my page looking at it. 
not even just notifications, just looking at my page. And I think I am as addicted to my social media as a person is addicted to a hard drug or a person is addicted to a cigarette. And that might be controversial, but I truly believe that social media is a new addiction. Social media is absolutely an addiction. It absolutely is. So, so don't, don't think that, that, uh, what you've got going on is any different than somebody who hits the bottle or drugs or whatever. So, um, Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K, he's got a great run on, and you, you can find his videos if you just Google Simon Sinek with uh, social media addiction. He talks about the idea that um, these notifications that we get on our phone, they produce, and I, I might be completely bastardizing his explanation, but the way I understand it, and I've not watched his video specifically on this for, for some time, but the idea that we get a dopamine rush when we see that somebody has liked our photo or we see that we have a notification. And that dopamine is tied directly to uh, addiction, developing addiction. So the more dopamine we have from something we do or something we see or some sort of stimulation, it's, it's going to create an addiction. And social media has, has done that. Smartphones have done that. So what I've done, because uh, I, I spent the better part of the last year and a half off social media, spent all of 2020 off social media, really. And coming back onto social media, I, I, I have notifications for my social media, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. I have notifications for all those, but the only notifications I have, I don't have the sound. I don't have the banners. They don't show up on my home screen they only show up as little badges on the actual app. And I put all the apps into one folder mm -hmm. on my iPhone so that all the notifications are just in one place. So it doesn't look like all of a sudden, like if I have all these apps in, in 10 different places on my phone, then each one is going to have these notifications. And that's just going to be this huge stimulation hit that I can't handle. So I just have the badges. Because what I found out, I, I for a while there, I didn't have any notifications at all. And what I found out was I was going to the app and refreshing and refreshing and refreshing, just yeah. like you talked about. Not necessarily uh, um, because I knew what was, I, I knew there were likes. I've got to see the likes and everything like that. But because I didn't have an idea of what was inside there, you know, what was waiting for me. So for, uh, what I've noticed, for example, TikTok, uh, it's going to give me notifications if somebody's just going live. So I've gotten to the point where I don't even pay attention to the little number badge on my TikTok. And the other apps like Facebook, same thing. Like half my notifications are from groups that I'm a part of that I probably should turn off those notifications to begin with. But don't poo-poo it as not an addiction because it totally is it, it hits the same receptors in your brain that drugs and alcohol do and so what i what i've done is like i said i've turned off sounds i've turned off banners and so nothing shows up on my lock screen except for text messages and uh and amazon deliveries 
come on. We don't don't get me wrong. I'm not like a, a complete uh, um, you know heathen here. I need my Amazon delivery notification. But social media, I I would have to actually go to the app itself. I've heard people. I've heard people delete and reinstall their their Instagram and other things on a daily basis because they get so hooked on it. And I'm not I'm not there. I hope I hope never to be there. But uh, there are ways there are ways to get uh, to get unaddicted to get unhooked, if you will. I don't think the whole getting rid of the app thing works. Because whenever I want to get rid of the app, then I want to post a post and then it's like, I got to re-download it. And then I'm like, what do I miss? Yes. I oh think, yeah. The FOMO yeah. is real, man. It's totally real. So what I do is, and I mean, I wasn't great this afternoon, but what I do is I try to like leave it in the other room. So like I have a pool at my apartment complex and I talked to like two of my friends on the phone and then I for some reason went up to back. I went back to my apartment and I was like, you know what? My phone's at 20%. I don't want it to be dead when I'm interviewing you in a few hours. So I just left it here. And then I swam like eight laps on my pool. And then I just like kind of meditated and kind of prayed. I, I don't know what it was, but that like refreshed me to record my talk show portion of happy hour. And then to have energy to interview you. Because I think yeah. if, if I would have kept looking at it, I don't think I would have been as good in this interview because we have so much potential in our brain, dude, but I feel like we're losing original thoughts and we're just losing our potential because we're just looking at algorithms all day. My most productive days are the days that I'm on my phone the least. And I'm talking productive like around the house, productive being a father. And just hanging out with the girls, even if they're on their devices, if I'm not on mine, they they want to sit next to me. They want to play their games next to me. They want to watch. They want me to watch their shows with them. Um, you know, I've got these episodes coming up of the podcast, and I need to create promos for those episodes. If I'm on my phone, I can't really do that effectively. So I've got my phone nearby, but I'm not scrolling up. TikTok. I'm not refreshing Instagram. I'm not checking Facebook. I'm just creating these promos. And just in, you know, the the half hour before we talked, I, I think I created like four or five, which I would not have been able to do if I was on the phone for even five of those minutes, because that's going to derail me for the five minutes after that as well. So I think you got a great idea to just maybe it doesn't have to be the same time every day, but you know, a half hour to an hour every day, whether you're out by the pool or you're going for a run or whatever the case, just having the phone uh, away from you in another room or in another place altogether. I think it's great. And, you know, I, I've, I've got, uh, um, you know, I, I don't have, there are some people who uh, I think this last couple of weeks, there was one, there was one week, one day, I should say, where it was like unplugged day. It was like, I think last Friday or Saturday, where it was like, can you go without your phone for 24 hours? And while I don't know that I, that I could, it's, it's, it's a really good idea maybe once a week or, or maybe once a month going without it for 12 hours. You know, you, you, you wake up, maybe you check it as you wake up or you check it as you go to sleep and then you don't check it again until the next time you go to sleep. I don't know. It's 
not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. You know what's funny? I saw nothing about that on social media. When it's National Cupcake Day, it's all over Facebook. <laughs> but I, I did not hear right, anything about that. You're right. I only saw, uh, saw it once, and it, it was from the, uh, the tech guy here in, here in L.A., uh, at rich on tech on Instagram. He's, he's great. And he, uh, of, of the, of all the people, that's interesting that you mentioned that of all the people who I saw actually talk about unplug day was the guy who covers technology. <laughs> so when you Google your name and you see the post about being a teacher, all of the reviews are all rave reviews. How does that make you feel? And what do you bring to the classroom that's making everybody feel connected to you. I appreciate that. And, and that's actually, I mean, it's, it's one of the things I'm most proud of is that um, I love teaching at Cal State Northridge. It's where I went to school. And one of my goals was uh, when, when I was in school, one of my goals was to come back and teach because some of the most effective teachers I had were working professionals. They were, you know, I had one guy, Dan Avey, he would bring, news radio scripts from work into class for us to practice reading for us to practice editing you know I, i've had other professors who you know I, I they would set up ride-alongs and and with with helicopter pilots it just the the idea that i can have some sort of impact on the next generation of not just journalists but but people um is I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm absolutely grateful for that. And I was just talking with a group of students yesterday and they expressed to me a lot of what you and I have talked about, the idea that they're afraid to make mistakes. They don't like going live. They don't like uh, the way they sound on the air. They don't like the way they look on TV. And I just, I just kind of tell them like, Hey, you can only control what you do. And if a news director doesn't want to hire you because of the way you look, you probably don't want to work for that news director anyway. If a program director doesn't want to hire you because of the way you sound, yeah, there might be some adjustments that maybe you can make because maybe you're not pronouncing things correctly or whatever. But by and large, 99% of the time, you don't want to work for that person anyway. Because as you and I know, having been in radio long enough, it's not about who's got the deepest voice and who can speak most like an anchor. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's just about being you. And it's not necessarily how you sound, but it's what you have to say. And, and so I, I, just try to, I just try to tell students to tap in to their authentic selves. They ask. Every semester, every semester, they ask me, different crop of students, doesn't matter who, doesn't matter the class I'm teaching, they always ask, how do I find my voice? And I tell them, I didn't find my voice for like 10 or 12 years. My physical voice changed one day between eighth and ninth grade on the very day that I was trying to ask out my crush. You know, I was, oh, would you like to go out with me? <laughs> so ever since then, it's been this, this, voice that you hear but i didn't find my my voice on the air until probably so i started in 2001 professionally in fresno and then i moved on to miami 
And it wasn't until I was in Miami for a year or two did the news director come up and say, and say why, why do you sound like such a robot, dude? You, you've got this great personality off the air. I want to hear it on the air. And so then it took another four or five, six years for me to kind of deprogram that robot. So I probably didn't find my voice for another 10 or 12 years uh, or 10 or 12 years into my career. And that was because I wasn't being my authentic self. I wasn't just being me. And if, if whether you're a student or somebody in the business and you're looking to, to pivot or, or just kind of work on yourself and work on your brand, if, if you are, if you tap into your authentic self and just be you, you're going to be happier. You're going to be much, much happier. You might not have that job anymore because a lot of people, when they find their authentic self, they realize that the job they've been working sucks and they weren't happy and they want to be happy. So they, they move on to a different job. It's, it's fascinating how many people end up doing that. But yeah, if, if you could just, if you just be real, everything else will fall into place. Everything else will, will fall into where it was supposed to be. Now, when it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? As a great, caring, loving father and a loving husband who took care of his wife when she needed him most, took care of his family when they needed him most, and everything else, Ryan, seriously, everything else, it's just icing. Anything else that happens beyond what happens with me and my daughters and, and our family, it's just icing. That's a good way of looking at it because I feel like people are so into accolades or making the Radio Hall of Fame or whatnot, but I feel like those are not important whatsoever. No, God showed me a year and a half ago that what was important was in these walls and everything out, everything outside of it, especially when you consider that the pandemic has forced us into these four walls and forced us to look at ourselves and, and, and reconnect with our families. Um, the, the idea that what's outside of these walls matters is, is, is really not an idea that I, that I subscribe to anymore. What happens here with my daughters, what happened here with my wife and, you know, jobs come and go, man. I, I, I'm grateful that I've had my teaching job for almost eight years now. I'm grateful to be able to do podcasts and TV news videos, but what's going on with me and my daughters and with me and my wife and our family, that's all that matters. Seriously. Now, you're a guy that has a lot going on. So before I let you go, how can people find everything you're up to? So I've finally put up a, uh, one of those link trees. Okay. So if somebody goes to AaronBender.com, A-R-O-N-B-E-N-D-E-R, AaronBender.com, you can get all my podcasts and everything like that. I'm at AaronBender on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Aaron Bender Media on Facebook and TikTok. Well, man. And it's the Aaron Bender Podcast, man. I'll throw that out there. It's the Aaron Bender Podcast. I've got a few episodes already out there. I've got 
four more episodes coming out. So if somebody's listening to this on a Wednesday night, I've got four more episodes coming out tomorrow, or we could just say this week, four new episodes this week. I'm not going to always put out four episodes, but I really don't need all of these things in the bank. I just want to put them out there and move on to the next. Well, man, it's been a lot of fun having you on the show. It's been very deep. Uh, I never thought 18, 21 months ago that we would be having this deep of a talk because it was a 20-minute thing where I had pre-written things about you working at KFI, but I'm very proud of our friendship, and this really changed the way I look at things, and I hope your fans and our fans are able to listen to this and leave with some knowledge. I hope so, too. I, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I always love the hoppy hour. Thank you. I love that you had me on a year and a half ago. The timing, <laughs> the timing was what it was, mm-hmm. and I'm just really glad that I could come back on and, and hang out with you, man. Thanks, Ryan. Anytime. Keep up the good work, Aaron.